Well, hello and welcome to Magic Time, a podcast featuring all things Moncton Magic. I'm Scott Squires, and pleased to be joined on this wintry day by the head coach of the Moncton Magic, Joe Salerno. How you doing, Joe? Hey, Scott. Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well uh, as we do this podcast live on uh, December 18th, a week before Christmas Day. It is a snow day in many parts of the Maritimes. I know here in Truro, uh, the kids were very pleased to learn that they had a snow day off. Uh, what about up there in the Hub City, Coach? Yeah, a lot of snow. It's actually it's uh, second straight day. My my kids have gotten the uh, get-out-of-school-free card and uh, – they're loving life, man. They're actually outside playing in the snow right now. As I was, uh, I was leaving to go to the office. They were already out there this morning. So, but uh, a lot of snow. It's still snowing pretty good up here right now. And uh, I mean, we had to have gotten oh six to eight inches anyway. Well, it's funny. I know here the big debate because you always get parents commenting online. But here in Truro, it hasn't been so bad. The roads are a little slick because it was kind of a freezing rain mix overnight. But not a whole lot of snow today. But Safety first. Kids are off. Now, I got to ask before we move on and talk some basketball-related stuff, we talked in a previous podcast about uh, a ritual that your kids had come up with to help create a snow day. It had something to do with crayons in the fridge, I think ice cubes in the toilet, and pajamas inside out or something like that. Have they been doing anything ritualistic there, Coach, to get these last couple of days off for snow days? No, you know, they, they, they didn't. We, it was already snowing here last night, and I think they kind of already half expected a snow day today. So they uh, they felt pretty confident without the, the ice cubes in the toilet. They were feeling good about uh, <laughs> no school today, and, and their prediction was right on. So, no, no no rituals last night. Just uh, pretty happy kids this morning. Yeah, nothing better when you were a kid than hearing those two magical words, snow day. All right, let's talk about the Moncton Magic. Uh, first of all, Coach, Congratulations on the 10-0 start, uh, the second best start to a regular season ever in the National Basketball League of Canada at 10-0. Uh, next up on that list is 11-0, a record held by the London Lightning. But again, uh, how does that streak feel right now? It feels good. I mean, I think it's starting to, to settle in a little bit, um, you know, that we, we've won that many games. I mean, it's a. I sent kind of a, 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 a note, kind of a little congratulations note to, to all of our players the other night uh, after our game, just let them know, you know, that I was, I was proud of them for, for the start that we've gotten off to, you know, that's really not easy. It's not an easy thing to do to win 10 games in a row in this league. I mean, obviously it's only been done one other time uh, several years ago. Um, so it's not an easy feat. And, you know, you're starting to realize as I look at my, my schedule on the whiteboard in, in my office, you know, there's, there's a lot of W's kind of racking up there in a row. So it's a nice feeling. Um, like I said, it's been a great start. And we've just had so many different guys contribute to that that start. So, uh, you know, we're, we're pleased with it. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to look to try to take that thing as long as we can. Well, you're absolutely right. And, and it's not easy at, at any level of sports. It, it might be uh, intramurals in middle school to win 10 in a row. It's never easy. But at the professional level, you've got a professional team on the other side that's game planning for you. You know, things can happen. Players can be injured. There's so many factors that go into it. So certainly, uh, you know, tip of the cap to you and to the organization and to the players for getting that 10-0 start. A couple of things about that 10-0 start. Certainly the Halifax Hurricanes, uh, you've played them four times in those 10 games. And Halifax has kind of been the class of this division for the last number of years. 
And not that they had Moncton's number, because obviously this is only the second year for the Magic, but the previous incarnation in Moncton, the Miracles. But Halifax kind of was that team. I know it's only early in the season and we're only a quarter of the way through, but psychologically, how nice is it to have four of those first 10 wins against your old nemesis, the Halifax Hurricanes? It's it's a nice, it's nice. It's nice to have psychologically. I mean, it's um, it's certainly a confidence booster. You know, Halifax, when we saw them on the schedule, you know, when the schedule first came out that we played them our first two games of the season, you know, home and home, um, you know, we were, we were certainly, we knew we were going to be able to, to kind of get a, a, a test right out of the gate. Um, so for us to pick up some wins against that team, you know, even after they've made some of their roster adjustments, you know, adding Ramil Brown and, and Gabe Freeman, um, it's a confidence booster. You know, our guys wanted to be the, the best team in the Atlantic division this year. And we knew we had to, you know, consistently beat Halifax in order to do that. So, uh, you know, so far so good against, against the Canes, you know, we play them uh, two more times this season. Um, both of them in Halifax, which is is a little head scratching when it comes to the schedule. But um, you know, I think we're up for the up for the challenge, and um, you know, playing the same. Well, we've played four teams in ten games, and you know, playing seven of those games against the Edge and the Hurricanes, who were both you know Final Four teams in this league last year. Uh, to be seven and zero in those games, I think it says a lot about our team and a lot about the guys and how hard they've been working to get off to a good start this season. Schedule maker was in the offseason going, all right, Moncton Magic, let's see what you guys got in the first few games. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. They said, okay, you guys want to see exactly. I think that's what they were thinking all along. And But uh, you know what? Like, don't don't run from adversity, right? Just stare, stare it in the face and, and give it your best shot. And, and I mean, that's what we've done, uh, you know, the start of the season. Because uh, it was tough. I, I said all along, I thought one of our toughest stretches uh, over the course of the season was going to be the first, you know, nine games. The seven of those games were against the Edge and Halifax, and, and I knew those would be big-time tests against two very quality opponents. So, uh, like I said, our guys have, have answered the bell um, so far, you know, so far early in, in the season. You know, they definitely have. Now, we, we'll talk about uh, what's coming up, but we'll circle back a little bit and talk about something specific with Halifax. And you mentioned two of the players that they added uh, after the first couple of games you played against them, uh, Ramil Brown and Gabe Freeman. And it's a team sport, but I know that some of the Halifax fans were a little bit excited about the signing of those two players and why not. And some of the comments that uh, fans made of the Halifax Hurricanes, because, hey, they want their team to do well, was that, hey, Moncton, you haven't played us yet with these two guys in the lineup. Well, you certainly did on Friday, and uh, you got a 105-96 victory and just let me ask you a little bit about Gabe Freeman, because there was a, a situation in that first half where uh, Freeman kind of laid a really, really hard foul, got called for an intentional foul. And then I'm not sure if you guys were talking about good places to eat in Moncton or what, but little conversation going on, which I thought was kind of interesting to see. Uh, what was all that like, Coach? Uh, I mean, it was. It, it's all part of the game. I mean, you know, both Gabe and, and myself, really, I mean, we're both – veterans of, of this league. And I think both of us have a pretty good understanding of, of, um, you know, officials, um, you know, of how other players and teams can react to certain situations. And, you know, I, I thought Gabe put a, a pretty hard foul on, on Wayne, uh, McCullough, you know, which, which I took, um, you know, I, I certainly never want to see any of your guys get a, get a shot like that. And, uh, you know, I, I think Gabe, you know, Gabe really never has any true ill intent. I mean, he wasn't, 
trying to hurt Wayne. He wasn't trying to do anything like that uh, to Wayne. But I just wanted to make it very clear, you know, and I, you know, make the officials, um, you know, make it very clear to the officials that, hey, you know, this is early in the game, and, and, and Freeman threw a pretty good shot there. And what that did was it kind of put the refs on notice, you know, the rest of the game, and and maybe keeping a little bit of a closer eye on, on Gabe. And you know, that's just that's a strategic thing that was done there. Um, you know, I, I just wanted again to put the officials on notice about one of their best players and Gabe Freeman. And, you know, Gabe, obviously, I don't think really loved the fact that I kind of called him out like that uh, in the middle of the floor. And, you know, Gabe came over to me and he said, you know, uh, coach, what do you want me to do? This guy McCullough had 22 points and 14 rebounds against us the last time out. I have to try to intimidate him a little bit, you know, and that, and that's a very veteran move. Um, so in Gabe, Gabe's mind, he was also doing something very strategic. Uh, so yeah, there, there was, there was quite a bit that was going on in that little back and forth with Gabe and myself. It certainly was nothing, uh, you know, ill will against each other. I think both of us were just trying to play our cards the right way, uh, to help our team win. I thought it was great. I thought it was interesting. And again, uh, of all the different sports that I've had an opportunity to call games for basketball is definitely my favorite for a lot of reasons, but certainly from the vantage point that you get to see things like that and to hear those conversations, I thought it was really cool. And final thing on that, you mentioned about putting the officials on notice and kind of standing up for your guys, which, hey, that's what the head coach has got to do, right? Gabe Freeman was the leading scorer for the Halifax Hurricanes through the first quarter with seven points, and he really seemed to be trying to set the tone on the floor for his guys on the bench. But after that kind of uh, situation with the hard foul on McCullough and after that, he was shut down. Was it something specifically that you had your guys do or anything that you did in terms of changing a rotation or defensively that shut him down? Oh, no. I mean, he was certainly a big part of the game plan going into that game as far as how we wanted to try to guard Gabe. And I think we have one of the best matchups in the NBL Canada when it comes to guarding a player as good as Gabe Freeman and it's Denzel Taylor. Uh, you know, Denzel was on him for a large portion of the game and, and he did a great job. You know, Billy White had him for a while as well. And, um, you know, but but I think for us, I mean, we always game plan for, you know, other teams' top guys. I think we did a nice job on him. You know, similarly, we did a pretty nice job on Carl English, you know, up on the rock. And, um, you know, a lot of that was Wayne McCullough. So, you know, we take our time um, when it comes to scouting reports and, and how we want to uh, defend guys. And uh, actually, Elvin Mims, Coach Mims, he's in charge of uh, – of opponents personnel scouting and you know he really highlights how we want to defend players and, and what we want to try to take away what their strengths and weaknesses are and um we've been spending a lot more time with our guys on those those player scouting reports in preparation for games so hopefully it's just some of that paying off a little bit uh, again the guys working hard and putting a little extra effort in and a couple of new guys uh, joining the roster of the Moncton Magic one of them new new in terms of Corey Lucius uh, but a new old guy, Jason Caliste, played for the team last year, uh, brought on recently, and he basically stepped into that game on Friday night, Coach. And, you know, one of my favorite things to be able to do is to call him Jason Cathreist, and he's just deadly from the outside. What kind of extra dimension does Jason bring back to this team? Yeah, he's almost automatic, isn't he? Uh, he he's... <laughs> He's as, as good of a three-point shooter uh, as they come. And he, he just adds, a, again, like you said, a, another dimension where, you know, we have some guys who can shoot the three on this team. Obviously, Corey Allman uh, is one of the best, no question about it. 
you know, when you add a second shooter like that in Kalis, uh, it just, it really makes it tough for teams to defend. And those first couple of games, we actually played Corey and Jason together a little bit, probably a little bit more than what we might've done last season. Um, again, just always having two, three point threats on the floor. It's, it, it makes it very difficult for opponents, but, uh, no, Jason, you know, Jason's one of my favorite guys <laughs> that I've, I've coached. Um, and I say that, you know, I like all my guys, but, but what I mean is, is he comes in always prepared to play, you know, you know, if he signs late, he's, he's always going to be in phenomenal shape. Um, he, he's very even keel, right? I mean, he never gets too hot. I mean, he can get too hot every now and then, but, uh, he, he, he maintains a pretty level head and, and he just goes out there and does his job. And, and you just love that in guys. So he right out of the gate, I knew he'd be able to step in and play minutes for us. And, uh, you know, he had a he had a hell of a weekend. I think he was averaging twelve or thirteen points through his first two games. You know, really kind of right off the airplane. So um, he's great, man. And you know, as long as I'm coaching, there'll, there'll probably be a spot for a guy like Kalish on uh, on one of my teams. Yeah, he was he was great, and I had a chance to chat to him prior to the game Friday night, and and say that it was so good to have him back, and just kind of in a kind of a calm, cool Jason Kalish kind of way, kind of nodded at me and smiled, and said, "Yeah, it's good to be back." So Friday, <laughs> you have Saturday off. You have a Sunday afternoon game against the St. John Riptide and another game on the schedule, another game for you guys to go out and play, but a little bit of a different wrinkle because, as you were saying, through the first nine games, you had played three teams, uh, seven of them against the Edge and the um, Halifax Hurricanes and then the other couple against the Cape Breton Highlanders. So this was the first time you were actually seeing this St. John Riptide team up close and personal. How different did it make preparation on Saturday going into that Sunday game? Uh, it was quite a bit different. I mean, it was it was actually the first time we had showed the scouting report uh, on St. John to our players was was Saturday late morning. Um, you know, normally they get those reports two to three days before a game, but obviously we wanted all of our focus on uh, on uh, Halifax there on Friday night. So. Uh, it was tough. I mean, it was it was difficult. St. John is a much improved team, and you know we did play them in the preseason, um, and we 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 kind of had our way with them in, in our exhibition game. And um, you know, I was certainly concerned that that our guys, you know, we we certainly didn't want to overlook the Riptide because I I know how well they're coached, and and they have some great size and, and athleticism, and um, and they're a great defensive team. Just like last year when we when we played with St. John's, you know, it's two teams that are going to kind of really lock horns and and really make things difficult for their their opponent. And you saw that in the uh, the final score there on Sunday afternoon. But uh, no preparation was 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 difficult. Although I thought we we executed fairly well. You know, when you hold that team to I don't know whatever eighty eighty seven points or eighty six whatever they scored. Um, so you you got to be happy with with the win. And but it was a tough game. It was certainly a, a very difficult game to to win on Sunday afternoon yeah the final score in that one 93-86 now we've talked about uh, a couple of guys already to do with the Halifax game on Friday night but my goodness well how, how can we look past the triple double that Doug Herring had Friday night but on Sunday afternoon Doug Herring got another triple double but for my money uh, he really earned player of the game honors in the first five minutes of the third quarter St. John had Played a really good road game in the first half. They actually uh, were very much even up with you guys at the half and were giving you guys all you could handle. But my goodness, Doug Herring, in the early stages of that third quarter coach, made three or four 
incredibly tough shots that I was just in the back of my mind and thinking, okay, what just happened? What can you say about what Doug Herring is doing? And one of very few players that has ever gotten back-to-back triple-doubles in the National Basketball League of Canada. Yeah, it's kind of kind of fine. It's tough to find words to to describe what Doug did this past weekend. I mean, that that's you talk about going ten and zero is is a tough thing to do. Well, having back to back triple doubles maybe maybe even tougher. Um, I think that was the first game this season that we were we were down at the half. Uh, I think we've led other every other game at the half, and and you know Doug, we've said it all along. I mean, he, he's a winner. Um, he hates to lose. He's extremely competitive, and um, I think he took us being down at the half personally. Um, you know, a big point of emphasis at halftime was we felt we could really kind of get downhill on these, these big guys off of ball screens and really look to attack the rim more. And if we could do that, it was eventually going to open up more perimeter jump shots, you know, based on the fact that, that the rip tie would have to help. Um, we also didn't shoot the ball well in the first half. I thought we had good looks, but we weren't knocking shots down. So I think Doug just, it was a combination of, of kind of what we said from an X's and O's standpoint at halftime, um, what we wanted to do more of, which was get to the rim. And then Doug just kind of taking it personal and, and saying, you know what, I'll put the team on my back, you know, get us back in this game. And, and he did that. And he has the capability of doing that. He's just a, he is a deadly winner. You know, he just, when it, when it's, it's time, it's when it's closing time, you know, or it's game like that, that's, that's when Doug really shines. Um, so, you know, it, it, it didn't really surprise me, <laughs> Scott, to be honest with you. Uh, he made some difficult shots, but he's capable of those shots. And uh, it certainly didn't describe me that Doug was the first guy to step up there in the, in the second half. Something else as well. You talk about basketball IQ and all of those things. But for me, something that was very telling about the type of player that Doug Herring is and the veteran leader that he is and the basketball sharpness that he has in terms of knowing the situation on the floor. You guys have been making that run and we're now starting to push on St. John a little bit. Crowd was getting into it, and there was a flurry underneath your guy's basket, and Nick Evans grabbed the defensive rebound, and he let a Nolan Ryan-like fastball go down the floor to Doug Herring. Now, Doug got it in the open floor, and nine times out of ten, he probably just lays that in. But maybe I'm wrong, but on the broadcast, I said that I thought that Doug sensed the moment and knew that – where the way you guys are pushing that if he slams this ball right now, it's going to be an exclamation point for the team. It's going to be something for St. John to say, you guys are in trouble now. And it was also going to lift the fans up. Any kind of the same thoughts at all with you guys on the bench? Or was that just kind of par for the course for Doug Herring? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that was in the back of Doug's mind a little bit. I mean, you know, Doug, Doug doesn't, uh, I mean, he doesn't dunk a whole lot. I mean, he's certainly more than capable of, it's just not really, something he kind of emphasized in his game. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it was a little bit of a, of a crowd pleaser trying to get a little more energy out of the building. Um, you know, probably a little bit of a, of a statement towards the riptide, like, Hey, you know, you guys may have been up here for a little bit, but, but we're still right here. Um, we're not going anywhere. Um, you know, and, and yeah, that, that is all part of Doug, just understanding the game. You know, he understands the flow of basketball games and, and that's a big difference uh, between guys that just understand how to play you know, Doug knows how to play, but he also understands, you know, the flow of a game and what's going on and what needs to be done. Um, you know, and I think that's that's just a, 
you know, it's just an added value to, to a guy like Herring of, of what he brings to a team. And, and that's why a lot of the guys on our roster look to him, you know, as a leader. And, uh, you know, he's just a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal basketball mind and a, and a, and a really good player. And the good news is, if the Moncton Magic ever decide to put an off-season baseball team together, I think you found your pitcher in Nick Evans. Yeah, that was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Nick's, <laughs> I don't know what was more impressive. Nick's, uh, Nick's Nolan Ryan, like, you know, rifle pass down the floor to Heron, which I think he led him perfectly, um, you know, or his kind of full-court transition, left-handed layup and finish. You know, Nick is capable of doing some, some of those things. I think it takes people by surprise, but... He's just a, a very uh, Nick is a very athletic, you know, six ten guy who has great coordination, and um, both those plays were pretty impressive. No question about it. And my goodness, Nick Evans, as well as he played on Friday and Sunday, maybe it would have been expected that he might have been a little off, considering that he just welcomed a brand new baby to the Evans household as Jerner George was born. I believe it was either late Thursday night or early Friday morning. So. Nick was a proud papa. Was there ever a thought that Nick might not play at least Friday night, maybe? No, no, there really was never that thought. Um, they had a scheduled time uh, to have their son, and we, we knew it was going to be at 8 a.m. On, on Friday morning. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Nick tried to kind of plan that around our game schedule, you know. And, <laughs> uh, Nick hates missing practice and time and games, and, um, you know, he wasn't at shoot-around on, uh, on Friday morning. Uh, which was at I think 10:30, and and you know I, I had obviously told Nick, hey Nick, you know there's no there's no bigger days in your life than than when you have a, a child, and you know Nick knows that he was a father already. Um, so I mean, by all means, Nick could have taken the whole day off, you know, and and we would have been okay with that. And uh, but no, you know he he wasn't that shooter on Friday morning, uh, but he was there ready to go Friday night, and um, you know said everything was going really well. So no, him and him and his wife Tasha and. Uh, and their new son uh, Jerner, they're they're doing they're doing great. So no, Nick was Nick was there, and his head was in it all weekend, uh, which was great. And one of the most fun guys to talk to off the court. My goodness, I, I get quite a chuckle out of talking to Nick all the time. He must be quite the uh, interesting character around the locker room, coach. Yes, yes, he is, Scott. There's no, <laughs> there's no, no question about it. There's never a, a dull moment with with Nick. Um, you know, but but I think I think he does bring a lot of humility to the locker room, and and he he brings a lot of just positive energy. You know, ninety percent of the time, Nick is a pretty positive guy when it comes to the locker room and and with teammates and whatnot. You know, he's just very very high motor. And you know, sometimes not every guy is as high motor as 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 he may be, and you know that that can be a little overwhelming at times. But um, you know, Nick's playing really well this season. I think all of our guys, you know, understand Nick and. Uh, He's actually a really good teammate uh, as well when it comes to, you know, how he looks after his teammates and, and uh, you know, he just always wants to be chatting with guys. And now Nick, Nick is a, he's a very unique player and he's certainly a unique person. And, uh, but I've been very proud of him this season. And, and I think he's having a, he had a great first quarter of the season. Yeah, for sure. And look, as a play-by-play guy, it's always great to have anecdotes and stories. And, and Nick always gives me a lot. I, I really appreciate the story he told me about playing uh, in La Liga, Ecuador with Randy Phillips, who actually played on the St. John Riptide. Nick telling me that he played for the Guerreros and uh, Randy Phillips played for the Juniors. And Randy's team actually went on to win the championship. And I know that Nick came back to be with you guys, but he told me that just a couple of days before the weekend, 
he got noticed that he was named center of the year in La Liga Ecuador. So there's a bit of hardware for Nick Evans, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. I know he was he was pretty proud of that. Um, you know, Nick Nick certainly had a had a good season while he was down there, uh, for sure. So, but but again, man, Nick is Nick can play, um, and all of our guys on our team know that. And I think other teams around the league know that that Nick is very capable of playing. And you know, for Nick, every guy has to work on certain things. You know, whether it's it's foul shooting or whether it's it's you know making sure you're just mentally sharp all the time and keeping your head in the game and and not getting too emotional. And I mean, that's something that Nick is working on. Um, and and we're trying to work with him on that. And uh, I think we're seeing some of the fruits of that labor because, again, he's been very consistent for us this year. And uh, he's just been a really, really big addition to our team. Another new player that uh, joined the team recently, Corey Lucius, uh, just kind of getting assimilated. I know that uh, he got in, uh, traveled into Moncton over the weekend, saw a little bit of playing time on Sunday afternoon but certainly saw a couple of flashes of what Corey Lucius can bring to this team. And one in particular where he was kind of, he kind of cut into the paint and then no look pass underneath the Denzel Taylor who had the easy slam under the bucket. But what does Corey Lucius bring to this team coach? Corey's a very, very talented player. Um, you know, he, he's a very good point guard. He, he was good in this league a few years back. Um, you know, but he also has played at the highest levels of college basketball you can possibly play. And he's also played some very high levels professionally, um, being NBA Summer League, you know, with, uh, with, I think, Detroit and with the Golden State Warriors. And then obviously playing with Michigan State and Iowa State. He went to back-to-back Final Fours uh, in 2009, 2010 with, with Tom Izzo and Draymond Green and, and that group. Actually hit a game winner um, in the Sweet 16 against Maryland, you know, he hit a buzzer beater. So Corey's been around the block and he understands how to play the game. Um, you know, we certainly wanted to add another playmaker. And, and that's what I look at Corey Lucius as. He's a guy who can, who can get into the lane and create open shots for other guys. You know, he's also capable of scoring the basketball at times. So, um, you know, that's what we were kind of looking for. And, and I think Corey was a, was a nice piece to add. And, uh, you know, he'll certainly – see more time in Cape Breton after he gets a few practices under his belt this week. Um, he just hadn't had any practice time with us really yet, except for Saturday. So, uh, but I think he'll be solid for us. You mentioned Cape Breton. Let's take a look ahead. You've got a couple of days off now. Uh, then as you mentioned, you travel up to Cape Breton, you play the Highlanders at center 200 in Sydney on Friday, which is the 21st. Then you come back home for your Christmas break but then you've got to go right back up to Cape Breton on Boxing Day. So uh, interesting scheduling again. So you're going to get to see a lot of uh, the Emerald Isle of Cape Breton uh, over the uh, Christmas holidays. But again, Coach, uh, looking for the 11-0 to tie the all-time mark from the beginning of a season undefeated by the London Lightning. I know that's not your main concern, but what things will you be game planning for? What will the next couple of days of preparation be like heading up to Cape Breton? We need to have two, um, two or three kind of hard practices this week. You know, Cape Breton. That's a. This is a very dangerous stretch right here for our for our team. Cape Breton is is as good as anybody in the league, I believe. I think they've added a couple great new pieces, uh, specifically in Deshaun Walker, uh, who had a great first game with with them, um, a new point guard they got. But um, <clears throat> Cape Breton's a hard place to play. Um, you know, Center Two Hundred down there is a very difficult place to play. These guys are, are starting to play better basketball. Cape Breton more consistently. They have all kinds of weapons. Um, 
you know, so for us, and we know the physical style they play, right? We know what type of game it's going to be. So we have to try to simulate that the best that we can in practice this week. You know, we really have to get after it. We have to get after each other. We got to get under each other's skin a little bit. Um, we just kind of have to start mentally preparing for that game you know, right out of the gate. So, so we're going to have two pretty hard practices, especially today and tomorrow. I don't know if the guys know it yet, but it, but it's coming. Um, and <laughs> hopefully, surprised. you know, that mentally prepares us, yeah, for for Cape Breton. And then, of course, going back there on Boxing Day, that's really, really difficult, really difficult. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, these guys, they're going to enjoy Christmas. We're, we're going to have Christmas where they're going to have a day or two off, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And we're choosing not to go down. Uh, to Cape Breton on Christmas Day, um, we're going to drive down the day of the game, which is difficult. It's tough to be on a bus for a little over five hours and then get off and play, uh, especially when maybe you didn't practice the day before. So, like I said, the the, uh, the chips are kind of stacked against us these, these couple of games. I, I can't wait to see how we respond. Um, you know, and, and like I said, we're, we're certainly going to earn if, – if, if we have an opportunity to – tie this record or, or break this record, we're, we're going to earn it uh, with these last couple of games. Yeah, there's no question about it. You've talked about, you know, having the ability to face adversity head on. A trip down to Cape Breton, never easy at the best of times. Tough place to play, as you said, but you mix in the holiday season. It can make it that tougher. So it'll definitely be interesting to watch the results there. And then, of course, you're back in Moncton on Friday the 28th and Saturday the 29th. On the 28th, you play the Island Storm for the first time this season in the regular season. And then, a familiar foe so far this season, the St. John's Edge are back in town with uh, their newest addition, uh, Glenn Big Baby Davis. So again, a bit of a different look for the St. John's Edge. Okay, coach. Now, let's move on a little bit from basketball. Let's talk the holidays. How ready are you and Darcy for Christmas, have you got everything done? Have you got the shopping done? Is everything wrapped? What's up? Oh man, <laughs> you know I've actually I've, I've made a lot of progress since the last time we talked. So I would say <laughs> we're about seventy five percent done, and and that's with me putting some time in over the last two days. You know, the last couple of evenings I've been I've been wrapping some presents. You know, I've been having a little eggnog kind of late night when the kids have gone to bed, and and. Uh, <laughs> Wrapping some gifts, and, uh, you know, yesterday was, was great. We had a day off yesterday, and, of course, my kids had a school day, so uh, I got to spend a little little kind of daddy-daughter time with my daughter, Alex. Her and I went out to lunch, and, and we did some Christmas shopping for, for mom and, and Cam, and, uh, you know, it was, it was really fun. I, I really, really enjoyed it yesterday. And um, so I, I'd say we're, we're 75 80% there, and, um, you know, the kids are fired up, man. This is one of their favorite times of the year, so – it's it's good. You know, I'm going to have lots of family up over here over the holidays, too. And it's a really busy time when you also throw in three or four games during that week. So my house gets gets real crazy uh, over the next two weeks. I hope Aunt Bethany didn't wrap her cat again, Coach. Man, you know, I, it would surprise me <laughs> if something like that happened at my house. I've, I've all, you know, my house is so crazy. I expect the squirrel to jump out of the tree or, or something catch on fire. I mean, that's exactly what my house is like um you know during during the holidays and you know it's funny you mentioned that the, the whole griswold <laughs> analogy but i was i was kind of halfway hanging off a ladder last weekend hanging christmas lights <laughs> up on my my roof and you know my wife was laughing at me and taking photos saying she was gonna post them and 
and, and send them to you. I don't think she did, but uh, <laughs> no, because anyway, I using them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, it, that's fun, man. That's what the holidays are about, right? Being with family and, and having a good time, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Now, for listeners that may not know all of these references, even when we mention the Griswolds, a Christmas classic. I know for my family, my daughter and I, every Christmas Eve, we watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It is absolutely a family tradition. The other thing I need to know with all of what's going on at your house, is there any time you're going to hear this? Hey, Joe, can you pass me my stogies? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good, Scott. That was I probably won't hear that, but um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll have family here. You know, my uh, my father will will be up to visit. Actually, the first time he's been up this season, he hasn't seen a game yet. He's been going crazy uh, at home watching all the games online, and uh, you know, I think my my mother will be up for a few days. My father in law and my brother in law will also be visiting. Um, you know, last year both my sisters surprised me with, with a visit. We didn't even know they were coming, and. You know, I'd love to see that surprise again, but uh, either way, it's going to be a, a busy household. Do you have a cousin, Eddie? <laughs> uh, I have a couple that are like Eddie. Uh, they're not named Eddie, but but no, I have a few that are that are like uh, Eddie from the Griswold. <laughs> now, the really important question that I, I actually put a, a post on the Moncton Magic Facebook fan page. I did it this morning, so I know that a lot of people busy, working, shopping, whatever, so I wasn't sure if I'd get any reaction to it or not, but I did get somebody post a question that they asked me to ask you, and it's actually from your wife. She wants to know what you want for Christmas. Man, if she doesn't know that, maybe we're not (laughs) as far as ahead as as I thought we were when it came to to Christmas shopping, but um, boy, I... I don't know. You know, it's so funny when you, I, I literally don't know when, when you have kids, right. So much of the focus is, is on them. And, and, and of course my job is so kind of busy around the holidays. I, I, I don't really have a, a whole lot of time to, to think about it. Um, see, she was probably hoping that you put me on the spot. I'd have to say something, right? Yeah. Well that, that you might just kind of where you're chatting with me and in the course of the conversation that you just might like, let the deep recesses of your mind open up and, and something that you really want, but maybe you wouldn't want to say, we'll just, we'll kind of slip out and she'll be like, ah, that's it. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I've given her some ideas. Um, boy, I, uh, I think you got me, Scott. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the holidays, yeah, man, I, I, I haven't asked for anything. I know, you know, we joke about this and, you know, I'll put my wife on the spot. We joke about this all the time because she she said, you know, I love to cook, right? I, I really enjoy cooking. And she always makes comments that, you know, we're due for a new knife set. And uh, the funny story behind that is, and hopefully she's listening to this, <clears throat> one of our first Christmases together, this was way back before we were married. I think it was when we got our first apartment together. We'd probably been dating for maybe a year and a half or so. And this was back in, in Bennington, Vermont, uh, which was the first apartment we got after college. We were spending our first Christmas together in our apartment. And I, you know, I'm a you know young guy. I'm kind of excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go all out and get my girlfriend these great gifts. So I got us, I got her, uh, I guess you could say us, fourth row tickets to Celtics Sacramento Kings, right behind the Celtics bench. Okay. And I did that because she had always wanted to go to a Celtics game. She had never been to a Celtics game. So I got her that. I got her this beautiful new digital camera that at the time, this was the, the big thing, right? 
Um, I think I got her like a new iPod. Like I, I got her these really nice gifts. I kind of went over the top. So we're opening gifts that morning, her and I, and she's opening these great gifts. And then all of a sudden, you know, my big gift from her was a set of knives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and here she is getting Celtics tickets and, and all the, you know, new cameras. And, and I open up a box of knives and we joke to this day about, about the knives. And uh, I give her grief saying, you know, she's not a great gift giver. So I don't know, hon, maybe, maybe you could get me a new set of knives this year. Maybe it's, it's time. Um, how about that, Scott? That's my answer. I need a new set of knives. Listen, that's not bad. And look, good on you for asking, because I know for me, I, I don't know. The, I think my, the last thing I might ask for a significant other would be a set of knives. Just saying. It, but, hey, well, good on you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, that's what I'm saying. So if she was trying to put me on the spot on this podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm turning the tables. I'm putting her on the spot about the gift I got for our first Christmas, you know, 13 years ago or whatever. And that was a set of knives. (laughs) (laughs) She probably got them like late night, ordered them like the infomercials. And if you order now, you'll get a second set for just 1995. Yeah. They were like Jinsu knives, right. Or something like that. You, that were, yeah, used to be on on TV every night. So uh, yeah. anyway, it's it's a funny story, and we still uh, we still kind of give each other grief about it every around every Christmas. See, the great thing is now after we do this live, I'm going to take the audio from this podcast. I'm going to clip that little section about your Christmas <laughs> gift story, and I'm going to post it in one of the audiograms so that you'll be able to to share it with not only uh, your wife, but also all of your family as well. Just to, you know, maybe put it out there that, Hey, you know, new set of knives, right? I'm, I'm, I'm sure she'll love that Scott. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the funny thing was, the funny thing is, you know, right now where I'm at in life now and what I love to do is I, I love to cook. So I, I love a new set of knives. I, I would be thrilled about it back when I was, you know, 24 years old eh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't real high on my, my gift priority list, but, uh, but either way, she, she's, she's great and she's extremely thoughtful and, uh, I'm sure whatever she gets, uh, me this year is, is going to be great. See, that is a woman's intuition and she was just planting the seeds to say to you, Hey Joe, I know that we've been dating however long, but these <laughs> knives, trust me when you're in like your mid thirties ish, these are going to really mean something to you. So I think she was really actually just looking forward. Maybe. I mean, I, I tried doing that with her for a birthday a year or two later. I got her a set of golf clubs, you know, <laughs> kind of thinking I'm laying, I'm planting the seed that, you know, maybe she takes the golf and then that way I can play even more because my wife will get to go with me. <laughs> uh, you know, it didn't really pan out that way, but, uh, but I could see what maybe she was thinking. Oh my goodness, coach. Well, listen, always a pleasure to talk to you about basketball, but you know what? Life in general as well. I know that you've got the uh, the team gathering this evening. For, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make the trip up. But please give all of my holiday greetings to all of the organization, to family, to all of the players. Let them know that I wish them a very, very happy holiday season and a Merry Christmas. Good luck in Cape Breton, Coach, and uh, have a really good Christmas. And we'll talk to you uh, sometime between now and New Year's. We'll get you on here again before uh, before the holidays are over. Okay, that sounds great, Scott. Merry Christmas to you and uh, and your family as well, and uh, enjoy the uh, the holidays. I will indeed. Thanks a lot, Coach. Take care. All right, take care. That's Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. We certainly thank him for joining us, as always, on Magic Time. And 
boy, oh boy, I certainly hope he gets a brand new set of knives because then maybe he can do some of the cooking for the team gatherings. Who knows? Because listen, I know the players like to cook. Why not the coach? It has been a lot of fun, my friends. Until next time, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a holiday, happy holiday season. Regardless of what you may celebrate, I hope that it's shared with family, friends, and loved ones all around. I'm Scott Squires. Till next time, remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now.